you want to hear the good news or the bad news first? Let's start with the good news. The good news about awakening is it's available to anyone. Sometimes I say this and people balk. Occasionally I'll have someone who wants to argue the case that, well, for someone it's probably not possible for so-and-so, some hypothetical person, and then they'll give me some background on that person and how hard they've tried and that they just can't do it for some reason and it's all theoretical and hypothetical. And the more they talk, the more I realize they're talking about themselves. They're looking for complicity. Now, I know that may sound a bit harsh, but it's not really harsh when you see the perspective I'm speaking from, and that is the perspective that even someone with that degree of self-doubt can wake up. I would never do somebody the disservice of going into complicity with their belief that they can't wake up, that they're somehow a lost case. Now, this isn't just encouragement. It's just a simple statement about the reality of what enlightenment and liberation really means. Because at some point, it's very obvious that it's just here. There's no way you could be apart from it. It's laughable. And I've laughed sometimes when people have asked questions like this just spontaneously because it, it's so interesting, the, the degree of doubt that we have, the degree of doubt the mind will raise about this. And the, the sort of funny part is it's already here. It really is already here. But the seeking mechanism of mind, the doubting mechanism of mind, obscures it. So do you see how strange this is? How much of a sort of joke this really is? This whole thing? It really is. And sometimes I will tell people, don't take this too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take life too seriously. You know? And then sometimes we have to take it seriously. We have to push. We have to work hard. We have to direct all of that seeking energy at its source. And if you do that properly, it's called inquiry, which is okay. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes there's just so much seeking energy. There's so much momentum to the mind that it's a reach to tell somebody, well, just stop doing it. Just realize that it's already here. There's no one there. There's no one that can do that. There's no one that can try to wake up or try not to wake up or yeah. So that just falls on deaf ears or even worse, it gets incorporated into the ego structure, which can turn anything into a thought, a belief. And instead of seeking that mechanism of desire and aversion in a way just gets turned in on itself and it becomes a sort of hesitation state in life, a freeze state perhaps even a dorsal vagal shutdown, which is extremely uncomfortable, rather dysphoric. That's not enlightenment, it's not liberation. So sometimes this idea that a mere belief, um, a um, buying into a certain paradigm about spirituality that says there is no seeker. Seeking is ultimately useless. Seeking will get you nowhere except for buying into the one that doesn't exist in the first place. Um, that's not always skillful, in my opinion, in my experience. It's okay to use that seeking energy to direct it and focus it if you do it properly. Focus it on its source. Use it as a precise tool to look into the fundamental question. Who are you? What are you? What is it you take yourself to be? 
from what are you taking reference to create the world you're creating in your mind? From what are you taking reference to buy into the beliefs about your past and your future? So if we use the seeking energy, if we use that burning drive to, to know, to free ourselves, to stop suffering, we turn it in on itself, then it's rather skillful. It can be a very powerful, potent approach. But the truth of it is, the reality is always there. Your true nature is no farther than the tip of your nose. Your true nature is right in front of your face. It's the sounds and the sensations. It's the consciousness and the thoughts. Nothing more, nothing less. But again, that doesn't always land the first time or the first thousand times you hear it. Sometimes it has to be revealed through a disruption. And sometimes that disruption is your own failure. And that's okay. It's okay to push hard and fail, push hard and fail, to keep pulling your own rug out. That's how this goes. Now, it's not always like that for everyone. Some people do feel the exact way to surrender. They feel the place of surrender and they can orient directly to it right now. That works too. So trust yourself on this. But the number one piece of good news about awakening, it's available. It's right here and it's available to anyone, including you, no exceptions. The other piece of good news about awakening is it really doesn't cost you anything in the sense that you don't have to change your life to wake up. This can be really hard for certain minds to grasp. The minds that believe that everything has to be earned, everything has to be sacrificed for, especially the most precious thing like awakening. And again, there can be some truth to that depending on how things move for you. There can be a lot of exertion and inquiry and hours on the mat, but there doesn't have to be. I've seen people wake up rather quickly through more of a surrender path. But it's not really your choice which path, actually, I think you're gonna take. It's more about intuition and, and just conditions. But the good news there is, you don't have to go join a monastery. You don't have to disrupt your entire life. Life disruptions will come, that's natural. They're gonna happen to all of us. And they're always opportunities. But awakening happens in your life as it is right now always. Now, the reason I say this is because we can have a semi-obscured belief or thought or perception or view that oh, I'm almost there. I'm almost, almost, almost got it. It's like right, right at the tip of my, my attention or something. But if I could just get this right or get that right, if I could just practice a little more or stop doing this or start doing that, right? That belief is enticing. And what it does is it pulls our attention into our minds, into thoughts. It's just one thought, but if we believe that thought, we'll believe the next thought and the next thought. So it's a distraction, but it's not true. Nothing needs to change for you to wake up. If anything happens, it's that you stop believing anything needs to change at all to wake up. And then awakening just presents itself. It's obvious, it's here, it's always here, it's just this. The third piece of good news about awakening is it's not spiritual. <laughs> I know it seems like the two go together, spiritual awakening. 
And a lot of times when I talk about awakening, I just say awakening. Spiritual awakening sounds bizarre to me now. But sometimes I say it just to relate to people who might watch a video I make or something. But the truth of it is, it doesn't have a spiritual quality to it. Really, it doesn't have any quality to it. It's not like anything. It's only like it is. And this is important because the flavor of, or texture of certain belief systems we have that we impose upon the world, that we map the world with through our view, through our preconceptions, through our preferences, those actually are filters that obscure what I'm always pointing to, they obscure the natural awakeness that's always here, that could not be here. So again, another paradox, but it's important to recognize this at some point, that awakening isn't your idea of anything. This is one of the funny things about this process of um, watching people wake up and working with people who wake up and have these shifts. Invariably, or almost invariably, when it happens, people will say, this is not like I thought it would be. And then they'll say, or, or I'll remind them, do you remember me saying that like a hundred times? And they'll say, yeah, I, I heard you say it. But even the way, even the way I perceived that was, was, build, was building my expectation. It was, my mind was finding a way to turn that into what I already expected anyway. So, so in a way I couldn't hear that. And now I see exactly what that is. I was able to move past my own expectations. I was able to move past my own preconceptions. I was able to, or maybe just let go of them. Just see what's here when you let go of all expectations, all beliefs, all paradigms, all views. Can you do that for one moment? Can you let go of all paradigms, all views, all beliefs for one moment? It doesn't take more than a moment. See what's there. Catch that flash. It might be like a reset. Might be very subtle, it might not be subtle. What is here when you don't grab one single belief, view, thought, perception, position? That's what I'm pointing to. And it's not particularly spiritual, it's not particularly anything. It's free of all designations. That's the beauty of it. It's free of all holding, it's free of all desire and aversion. It's free of all fear. It's free of all resistance, free of all doubt, your true nature, the unconditioned, the unborn, the undying, this. So now for the bad news. The bad news is even though it doesn't cost anything in the sense that you don't have to earn it, you don't have to change your life around, um, you don't have to learn anything, really, anything specific. You don't have to be a good person or a spiritual person. Even though all that's true, there's this evasive aspect to the process. I'm not going to say awakening is evasive or awake nature. Awake nature is just here. But there's something in the mind, in your mind perhaps, that is actually in a way trying to avoid it, but it doesn't know that. It's trying to look everywhere but where I'm pointing because everywhere except where I'm pointing, the, the way the mind perceives reality is the familiar. This isn't the kind of familiar your mind understands. 
So the bad news is it can take some time um, and a certain amount of discomfort to break through. Now that's not really bad news, but it's, it's the caution I give people that this can be surprisingly challenging, but not because of the intellectual difficulty of it, not because of what you have to do to change your life, but because of how uh, challenging it is to look in that one place that a lot of you doesn't want to look in. The mind doesn't really want to look there because it's the unknown. And the second part is it can be uncomfortable at times. It's not always uncomfortable, but it can be exceedingly uncomfortable for cert at certain moments, for certain periods. Uncomfortable in the exact way the mind is trying to avoid. And this is important. This really plays into the process with a lot of people I work with. Not, not everybody necessarily, but a lot of people takes them a couple of years before they really get to the deep shadow. And then they're pretty surprised like, whoa, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. All this time I was wondering, why were you talking about shame? Why were you talking about all this emotional stuff? That would just, I just wasn't interested in it. Well, you thought you weren't interested in it, but really you were scared to go there. There's something trying to dodge this, trying to avoid it, okay? So again, it's not bad news, it's just the truth of the situation, but I frame it that way so you understand that it's not all bunnies and birdies, you know, spiritual awakening isn't all, it's not, it's not all about making yourself feel good all the time or finding states of bliss all the time or finding your natural happiness that you've never lost. And it's always here all the time. Like not really. In fact, the path to liberation, the, the path, the pathless path inward, um, has many, many spaces that will be rather difficult, surprisingly difficult. And I wouldn't want to lie to you by telling you otherwise. Uh, that's really it. That is the, the only real bad news. Uh, there isn't a lot of bad news in the end, but it can be ch far more challenging than most people realize, these, these shadow spaces. And I don't really see exceptions to that, honestly. Uh, I think some people don't talk about it as much, maybe, or don't talk about it in the same way, but it can be challenging. What I will say is that these challenging times, these challenging periods, these dysphoric moments, these periods of existential fear and so forth, they're always temporary. But the deeper this goes, the less that will be reassuring to you because you can't stand back from experience anymore and go, oh, well, at least it'll pass. That illusion of time that you used to use as a pacifier, not available anymore. So when that's not available, you'll feel like you're in the ninth circle of hell, <laughs> but it won't last that long. It will be, it will be transient. So is that bad news? I don't know. It's just the truth though. <laughs> but also, as I say again and again, by the time you come into contact with these spaces, these uh, experiences, these basically raw emotions is what they are. Ultimately, they're just raw emotions without the dualistic benefit of going up into your mind and running away from it. Is, is really what it is. It's an energy. It's a, it's a feeling. It's a sensation. But, um, but I don't want to lie to you. It can be intense. Uh, but you have the capacity for these. And by the time you come into contact with them, there's often been a lot of expansion, a lot of clarity, and a, a sort of intuitive, deep understanding that it's okay. You're going in the right direction, even when everything feels pretty uncomfortable uh, at times. So there you go. 
that's the good and the bad news about awakening. <laughs>